and welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Caroline Clayton. I'm a property investor, mum of four boys, and I'm a mentor and coach. And this week, we are really privileged to meet one of my very close friends, Stephen Chung, who is based out in Canada and has invested in Canada, the US and the UK and has definitely got multiple streams of income to teach us all about. He's entrepreneurial, he's overcome adversity, and also the personal struggle of having people around him who aren't really on board with what he's trying to achieve. And I know you're gonna love this episode. Enjoy. Stephen, great to see you. Thanks for being here. I know it's like half past eight at night. What time is it with you in Canada? Hi, Caroline. Uh, it's 12.30 in the middle of afternoon. Awesome. So we're very privileged to have you here. And it's, I have to say, on a personal note, so lovely to catch up with you because it's been a number of years since we were in person in Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, wherever the heck we were uh, doing events together. So let's start by uh, sharing maybe with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to invest in property from the very, very beginning. How did that work out for you? Of course. So the, I was originally from Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong, and then I moved to Canada, uh, Vancouver, Canada, when I was 16. Then I started to study uh, electrical and computer engineering at the University of British Columbia here in Vancouver. Yep. Um, after I graduated, I started my own computer and IT business, selling and servicing Apple computers, and then uh, I built up uh, a small business. But then, of course, as a small business owner, I worked really, really, really hard. I spent a lot of hours into the business. Yeah. The business went well. I built uh, two retail shops, have 20 staff working for me. So I make these some decent income from the small business. But mm -hmm. as a small business owner, I have a pain. The pain was I have no time. Like I spent yeah. all my time in the business and then I had no time to do what I want in life, like spend, spending more time with my loved ones or traveling around the world. I couldn't do it. So that's why back in 2014, I started to take some training in properties, invest, in investing, wanting to learn how to invest in properties because in the past, um, I worked hard for money. Now yeah. I just want money to work hard for me. Okay. So when I, when I went to the training, I learned some new, new information and knowledge about investing. I got fascinated about it, and I really want to get passive income. So uh, after the training and uh, with uh, the help of my mentors, I started to invest in Canada. Okay. Uh, with different strategies, different area, different provinces in Canada, including British Columbia, Ontario, and all the way to the East Coast where New Brunswick is. Wow. Leveraging uh, different type of strategies. Okay, so how long has you been in business for yourself before you decided, holy moly, I'm working in my business rather than on my business. I need to make a change. How long was that process? Uh, that was like at least 15 years. <laughs> okay. the computer and IT. Yes, 15 years. Okay. And you're very, very, like, I don't know about the Canadian strategies inside and out. I know roughly. What was your very first strategy 
from the Canadian perspective investing? Well, because my focus was always about getting more passive income. Because yeah. uh, when I was learning about investing in properties, the first thing that we learned about is how to achieve financial freedom. <laughs> and that financial freedom is such a nice term. Like, how do we actually even do that? And then I was told that, okay, well, if you can build up your passive income stream, the portfolio to get all those passive income, then if this passive income replaces your active earning income or replaces your current personal expenses bills, yeah. then you could literally quit your job or or completely like close down your small business and just depend on the passive income. So I like, wow, I like that's the sound of it. And I, I think that passive income is the key so that I could get my time back and start yeah. enjoying life, traveling. And that's why my focus is passive income strategies. Because by now, we of course, we know there are many different types of strategies uh, oh, yeah. when it comes to properties. So I focus on passive income stream, uh, long-term buy, uh, buy and hold, and uh, multi-unit. Like in Canada, we call it multi-income, uh, multi, uh, multi-unit residential buildings. Okay. Um, and like one building, let's like a small apartment building, kind of that. Like a, a then, block of apartments, like a, like a block of apartments. You know, when people correct. read Robert Kiyosaki and he was buying an apartment block in Arizona and, and here in the UK, you, you, I know you invest in the UK, but you know, that, that doesn't really exist unless you're buying for the millions, 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 millions. Mm -hmm. So like in Canada, you can buy these blocks. Yes, like, yes. Well, they're, they're, they're the smallest scale. There's a, a bigger scale. Like yeah, when I first started, uh, I, I still learning and uh, the capital, I, I didn't have enough. So I started with some small buildings. And we're okay. talking about small could be one building with three units, meaning like three individual units that they have their own entrance and with their own, of course, kitchen, toilets and bedrooms. Okay. So, but then of course we grow bigger and bigger. We could buy like six units, 10, 20, 50, 100 units. We, we could, you could grow and scale. It all depends on your appetite and your capital, of course. Okay. 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 So just as an example for our listeners, and I'm not imagining for a second that anyone listening to us is actively out there about to like pounce on the Canadian market, but they might be, right? What would the investment level be for a starter block of three units be mm -hmm. in like where you would maybe have one of your mentees start investing. What would that be? Well, of Rock course, we know, we know property prices has been, you know, steadily going up like over time. Yeah. When I first started back in 2014, 2015, uh, well, right now we look back, it was very, very attractive, put it this way. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, a three unit, and I bought it in New Brunswick, uh, uh, St. John, New Brunswick. I mean, you could Google it, look it up. And at that time, a three unit, one building, I bought it for 60,000 Canadian dollars. Mm. That's pounds. how much in pounds? That's probably like 45,000 in pounds. I Okay, so you're talking you get three units for that. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm trying to like make it this British, right? So, <laughs> and, and as an investor in the UK, you know this, right? So you're talking, this is not just a, a studio apartment times three. This is no. like a one bed flat times Actually, three. In fact, it's, uh, that particular one, there are two 
three bedroom units oh and one God. one bedroom. What? Hang on. Yes. So it's one one block. You have two three bedroom flats and then one one bed. Correct. Yes, yes. I'm and I'm trying to figure out the the, the currency exchange right now. Sixty thousand. That's literally cost thirty five thousand pounds. For, oh for the whole my. thing. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I'm not even going to get into the cash flow or anything else like that because, yeah. like, for some people, you're thinking, "Holy mo." Okay. Now I'm understanding why you're so attracted by the UK market because. <laughs> Even though you get less for your money. Okay, right. Let's get to that. Okay, so you yes. started in Canada. Yeah. How long did it take you to branch out from Canada? And why? Uh, what, like, I'm not being funny. If you yeah. can get three units, three yes. flats in one yes. block for 45 yeah. grand or 35 grand UK, yeah. why the hell did you leave that kind of strategy? <laughs> or that Put it this way. I love to travel. Okay. And... And I like to travel different uh, countries and uh, different um, areas. And it's funny enough, wherever we go in the world, there are properties there yeah. that might interest interest uh, interest me. But of course, it, as an investor, we have to focus on the return. Is the return is there? It's not about like okay, you just want to buy a property there, but if doesn't if it doesn't give you cash flow, then no, I'm not considering it. Yeah. So. Um, U.S. being just south of Canada, it's, it's, it's a very popular place, especially when we live in Canada. Uh, it's a little bit cold, you know, in winter. And uh, we, we call like these people snowbirds that we that people, Canadians will go to down south in California, Arizona or Florida to live there for four months at least out of a year. And uh, just like any Canadians, I love to travel south to to go there and 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 see it and 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 feel the the heat. So so I you know I look for different uh, uh, properties and opportunities there. There are definitely opportunities, and that's why I started to to invest in the U.S. as well. Okay. So so that that's how I started to invest in U.S. because I love traveling, and same as and same reason for U.K. I always uh, love. Uh, the culture and being like from Hong Kong, like we always have a, a very good connection and relationship with UK. And that's why I'm more, I'm also very interested in investing in UK. Okay. So from an international investor's perspective, if I put that hat on for a second, from Canadian point of view, what kind of loan to value are you getting when you're lending? Are you like, 75% loan to value. Okay, so exactly yeah. what we get here in the UK. Then you go yeah. to the US. What kind of loan to value lending are you getting in the US? Uh, it depends. And uh, it and also depends on the type of deal that uh, we're doing in the US. Okay. And uh, when I first started investing in US, it's a uh, majority of time, I was a JV partner, the money partner. Okay. So that uh, I have my the other investors doing the, you know, the groundwork, but then I was the one who actually come up with the money to invest. Could be a, a typical flip project, buy property there, uh, fix it up for in and flip it in three to six months okay. and then get the money back. But of course, like that, that's not like a passive income strategy. That's more like, you know, an, an, an active, more like an active type of, of income, but that's okay. Like I like that. 
the diversification. And then I think that's the key uh, to investing as well. We need to invest different type of, of uh, strategy. But when I first started, it, it, as I said, like I, I was more focused in the, in the passive, uh, passive way. But in, in terms of financing, uh, yes, typically 75%, 70% loan to value, that's about right. Okay, fine. Because I, I have to say, when I have a student ask me, should I invest in the US? Should I invest in other places? Does your does your teachings work overseas? I'm like, okay, everything is transferable. Like if you can invest in one country, you can invest in another country. However, the one thing that always differs is your lending, which is effectively affecting your leverage, right? right. And if I can only leverage at, say, let's say I only get a 30% loan to value, then I'm having to put up 70%, which to me, that's not that attractive. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing flips, like you just talked about, money yeah. in, money out, then actually it doesn't really matter what country that's in, right? That doesn't matter at all. And uh, as a Canadian, we actually have banks locally in Canada that they lend us money to buy properties in the States as well. So I don't know about for for UK, but for Canadians, we have a a special, I guess, relationship and connection, uh, allow Canadians to buy properties in UK and then they can lend us money. Awesome. All right. So how long was it before you did? I mean, I get the the Canadian US connection, right? That they're so they're so close. It's like the Scotland England connection. It's just like one of the same (laughs) thing, right? Yes. With the same rivalry and the same accent difference. But when it comes to going from Canada, US to the UK, yeah, you mm-hmm. said culturally there's a strong connection from yeah. your home roots, but that changes massively on the lending and everything else. So what instigated that initial change in focus on your investing? And uh, that's a good question. And of course, we have to, as a as an investor, we have to be logical as well. It's just, it's not like, oh, I I, I love UK and then I'm going to buy a property there. No, <laughs> that, that's not the right decision. And because I went through uh, some training about investing in UK and I like the fact that, yes, the lending in UK for foreigners is actually available. That's, that's yeah. very important. And it's also, they focus on more on the property um, performance yes. rather than our, our own, like uh, our own, whether I have a job or do, do I have credit, not on the personal level. And that's what I, I really enjoyed when I invest in the UK. Now they just look at the property as an entity, whether yeah. this property is performing, then they will lend. So yeah. that, that uh, part, I do definitely like uh, investing in UK. Yes. So how long had you been investing in the in Canada and US before you moved to UK element? Uh, with actually, I think because I started investing in Canada 2014, I, I believe I bought my first property in UK in 2016. So within the, the first two years. Yeah, so quick. Like you were getting about, getting about a lot. Okay, so... <laughs> You got you got into the UK, and obviously you will have needed a lot of help. You said that you got educated. You know that you could get the lending based on the entity. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still focusing on the passive income. Yes. I guess there's a really crucial question that I haven't asked you yet, which I know our, our listeners are going to be eager to hear, and that is, did you start this whole investing in property thing with a pot of cash? I mean, like, 
lots of people wait until they have cash. Right. But if you've got your own business and you're working yes. with a dog in that business, like, did you have a little bit of cash in that business that you could start that gave you a bit of confidence or were you from like ground zero? Honestly, I did have a little bit, okay. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all, like we all start with a different level, right? Yeah. And, and uh, when I have a little bit, then I could start right away, uh, straight away, like without, you know, thinking too much, like how to find money. That's a little bit easier. However, as, as we all know, when we do this uh, business long enough now, that yes, you could have your, your cash to buy one, two, three properties. Yeah. And then what? Exactly. Now then you, you're stuck. Now you have to have the ability and skill to find money, not just traditional money from the bank. When we now have to find joint venture partnership, right? Yeah. And, uh, and like here, like some other creative financing methods, uh, uh, in Canada here, like in North America, we have those uh, vendor take backs or, or seller financing. Basically, we have the, the seller to finance us as yeah. well and other partnership with with different people. So that, that's how we could grow. Because yes, I may have the money to buy that little three unit building. But now that I, I, I like this 50 unit building, how am I going to afford it? There's no way that I have enough cash to buy that. Yeah. So that's why we'll be, I, I learned from different uh, courses, uh, like how, and, and from my mentors about how we could creatively fund that deal. Yeah. The key that everyone keeps missing is, of course, the financing and how to structure. Yes. And I think far too few people are open and honest about how complex and how exciting those two elements can be. Okay, so you're now in the UK buying mm -hmm. up British land right from under my nose, Stephen. How dare you do that, right? But you're now uh, buying British land and then we meet. We yes. are we are handpicked to train for Rich Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and we meet in, like, was it Hong Kong our first? Hong Kong first, yes. Hong Kong first. We did Hong yes. Kong, Singapore, Thailand, <clears throat> yeah. Asia. We were yeah. all over the place. And That's we had a blast. And we ate a lot of good food. Absolutely. You and your food, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I I love traveling and food. <laughs> it's not it's not about properties. Property <laughs> will give me the ability to enjoy these things, qualities in life. Uh, traveling and food are the main reasons that I want to do properties. Yes. Exactly. The passive income feeds you. Okay, so then, you know, lifestyle uh, restricts us wanting to travel as much. You know, like we love our travel, but, you know, families and and commitments and everything else. And then COVID hits mm -hmm. and the world completely changes and we all reevaluate our lives and we think, yeah. do we want to be spending time away uh, as much from our families? Do we want to be with the families that we're spending so much time locked down with? You know, mm -hmm. all those things that everyone went through. Like yes. that was huge transitional period for everybody. So talk me through your thought process for your business and your life when COVID hit. Yeah, of course, it affects everyone in the world. I mean, <clears throat> no doubt. And uh, and now looking back, I was actually very blessed that I started investing in properties in 2014. And then now that COVID hit, I was just resting at home. I didn't do anything. I didn't have to go to work. 
I didn't I didn't have to work for somebody, and still there was passive income coming in. So that actually supported me throughout those three years. And in the Vancouver, we were actually a little bit lucky that there there were not much of a lockdown. Um, like we yes we cannot travel outside uh, Canada. However, within Vancouver, we actually able to go uh, go and enjoy the the fresh air. So all those parks and golf courses were open, and then I, I pick up golfing. <laughs> I played uh, three rounds a week, so pretty much every other day I just go uh, went out and and golf, <clears throat> and and I still do that by the way. And uh, so so throughout the three years of COVID, I don't know how many golf rounds, maybe like two hundred rounds that I, I I played, and because of the passive income. Because of the the fact that I don't have to work, and then my passive income is is able to help me to how enjoy this lifestyle. Okay. Um, but of course, at the same time, uh, because we can travel, uh, I pick up another uh, investing strategy. I start to invest more in in paper assets like okay. stocks, futures, uh, all those, and that's another stream of. Uh, Passive income that I'm generating right now. Okay, so you can't travel to do your investments in property. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You're restricted uh, in within Canada. You talk about your golf, which sounds lovely, and then you decide, okay, futures, paper stock or paper mm. assets. assets. Like yes. to a lot of people, that's like alien. Why would I put money <laughs> into paper? So. You know, this is something that my brain struggles with because, uh, you know, I'm not analytical like you are. You're IT, you're data-driven, you're, you're numbers. So stock trading and charts, that's quite natural mm-hmm. to you. So talk me through how this whole trading element came, came about, apart from obviously COVID, uh, like basically forcing you into it and how it's all evolved since then. For sure. Well, Caroline, we probably need another podcast and another episode to talk about trading. But in short, um, yes, you talk about like uh, analytical uh, people might be a little bit better in terms of doing and stocks and trading. Uh, yes, yes, because we can do Excel spreadsheet. We could uh, and uh, look at charts. But the, the but I look at this as if I continue to do that, like just do like a regular day traders do look at charts and trade, then it becomes an, and uh, <clears throat> even if I make money, it becomes an active earned income. It's yeah, not a passive so, income at all. Yeah. Remember I said like, I want passive income strategy. And that's why I, I, I look into like how I could turn this day trading thing into more a passive way of trading. That's this, it was this past three years of COVID that I, I tried to, to figure this out. Because I try active like day trading during this period, and I find it's it's very high pressure, and you go through a emotional roller coaster all the time. Because when market goes up and down, and then you feel the the, the uh, like I'm so tense. I like I I have uh, uh, like sad days when when the market is, is not going my way, and it's a it's even affecting people all around me. So that's not good for my health either. And that's that's why I I want to really develop a more passive way in terms of investing in paper assets. Um, yes, we talk about like we love properties because it's backed by hard assets. We yeah. all love that. Paper assets is just a different vehicle, as long as it could generate that 
income stream for me, that return for me, then I'm interested. And of course, we need to, just like anything else, we need to manage our risk. And, and then we see whether the return makes sense. So far, um, in terms of the paper assets, I must say that like my return on investments is way higher than hard assets, than property. Now, I'm not trashing about properties at all because yeah. I believe in diversification. We yeah. don't put all eggs in one basket. Yeah. And I have built up a, a very decent portfolio with property investing. Now I have this some more capital. Then I look into like paper assets. How can it actually generate even better return for me in, in this type, in this class of uh, assets? That, that's how I see it. Okay, because, you know, we often talked when we were together over lots of food in Hong Kong. There's only three vehicles to create wealth, property, the stock market and business, right? Mm. You did the business thing, but as self-employed, you did the property thing, right? In, in three ju different jurisdictions. And now you've done the trading thing, right? right? And it fascinates me that you can get the stock market to be passive. And there'll be lots of cynics out there who are in very well-paid, high-earning jobs, driving Ferraris, as fund managers saying, you cannot do it passively. You, there, there are bots that implode. Mm -hmm. it, you can't predict it. It's a chart. It's statistical. But, yeah. you know, how did you get your logical brain to mm -hmm. process, okay, I'm basically betting my capital either in this stock or in this paper asset. Right. I'm going to ride this out because in <laughs> look, my my husband Nick, he trades. He's got a mentor, a specific mentor that trades it trains him in this, and it seems like we're taking our mindset to a whole different level of emotional intelligence. Right stock trading than we have in property so how did you like uh, well just how did you do it so after i done some like active day trading myself and then i find that most people failed in trading in fact you can google it like google says 95 percent of the day traders failed they lose yeah. money 95 percent. so how can we be the the top five percent yeah. And 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 like for me, because I experienced that, I I that's how I I find. I think most traders like they lose money because of three main factors. Number one is fear. They fear because um they may hear a lot of news. Okay, there's so oh, there's a war going on somewhere in the world, and there's yeah. interest rate going up. How is it affecting my current portfolio? Should I should I close out and sell all my stocks now? Like there's fear-based driven. So they make uh, irrational um, decision. Yeah. So that's fear. And then the other one I find is greed, greedy. Because maybe let's say you buy a stock that is $100 or 100 quid. And, and you begin at the beginning, you, you tell yourself that, oh, when it goes up to 110, I'm going to sell it to make the 10, $10 or 10% uh, return that I'm happy. Well, guess yeah. what? Sometimes people have greedy have greed because that stock could go up to 10, 110 now, and you say to yourself, "Hmm, I wonder what it. Uh, I think it will still continue to go up. Let's hold on a little bit longer." Yes. Um, 
next thing you know, it came back down to 80. And then like, <laughs> oh, geez, I should have sold it, right? And because of greedy. And there's and that leads to the third part that I find is a lack of um, structure and, uh, and you're not consistent with it. So you, you actually have to have a structure and consistency, uh, almost like a formula. And you cannot play with emotion. So that's why I developed this trading strategy is totally based on mathematics and logics. Okay. And that's how I, I see that I could beat the market is based on pure mathematics. You know, I, I love that because actually I heard one of the trading uh, sessions that Nick was having and it was like, roll the dice a hundred times and tell me how many times you get whatever number it was. Right. Mm. And like statistically and mathematically, like you could lose nine times in a row but you could get and get the next five six yes 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 in your favor and you're like like you said the emotional impact of decisions for investing shapes really the results that we get and what you're saying about trading is no different to what we do in property right like we say make your money when you buy, don't get yeah. emotional, the numbers tell you what to do, you don't need the money. And here you are going, yeah, the charts, they will do what the charts do. You can't control the market, you just have to make your money regardless of what the market's doing. It's just like carbon copy, but when you have that horrible critical voice in your brain, man, yes. chitter chattering. Exactly, exactly. And and I like I don't know if you <clears throat> if you gamble at all, like Caroline. Like uh, I don't gamble, but there is a very famous um, gambling or betting strategy called the Martingale betting strategy. Like people can look it up on on, on Google. It's called the Martingale betting strategy. Okay. So it's it's a very logical uh, betting method. Let's say you go to casino, you you bet on roulette, okay. red or black. And I'm always red. I'm always red. Red, red, red. That's fine. It's, oh, it's, it's, you get a, almost like a 50-50 chance to win, right? And yeah. if you, you bet on like one pound, you make one, one pound back if you win. So so this Martingale betting strategy is when you bet one pound or one dollar, if you lose, next round, you're going to double your previous bet. So this round, you need to bet two pounds. And if you lose again, you, the next round you have to bet four pounds. Keep doubling from one, two, four, eight, sixteen, and all that. And eventually, if you win one round, guess what? All the money that you lost in the previous rounds comes back to you plus an extra one pound. <laughs> oh my god, that's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> oh, it, it is. It is pure math and logic, and it works. You can literally go to casino and try that. It works. It's a guarantee win. However, of course, there's still a catch because what if, yes, you bet on red, right? What if black comes out 20 consecutive times? What are you going to do? Like you you do the math. Now you're going to bet on, I don't know, like a 10,000 something on it. Like first, do you have that much cash? And like, will you feel scared when you put in that, that bet? It's crazy. It's the math crazy. works. The math works. That, that's yeah. the point. And I, I was trying to develop the, the trading strategy based on that. That's the logic. And yeah. also based on another uh, theory too. Because let's say if if I give you 
10,000 pounds, Caroline. And then I ask you to go to into casino right now and try yeah. to make 10 pounds. That's it. Like you use, you have 10,000 10, to make 10. Oh, I can what do are, that. What I are the odds? It should I, be fairly straightforward and should be easy, right? Relatively should be easy, right? Yeah. But most, most uh, gamblers, they're not like that. They probably have only 500 pounds in the pocket and they try to go into the, to the casino and try to make a thousand. Yeah. You're now right, then, right. that's that's hard. That's a lot harder. I mean, yeah. it's possible, but it's a, a lot harder. Harder. So so that's why my my theory is based on we use a larger sum of capital um, to make little. Okay. Uh, one at a time, and and that's based on those uh, math that I just told you. That's how I developed the, the strategy. Oh my. Yeah. It, 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 do you know what? Being an entrepreneur and being an investor is so psychological, right? Yes, yes. How much do we have we talked about mindset and about having the entrepreneurial, I don't know what it is, like the neurological thing going on where you're no. just like seeing opportunities every six, every which way you, you, you turn. But, you know, there are people that can be in your life that aren't on on board with that and you are totally entrepreneurial and you want to be seeing opportunities and making money in every which angle you can and then there's other people in the background saying what the hell are you doing you're nuts and that's tough right because you've got your own demons to battle mm -hmm. what if what if what if what if yes, yes. What if you are actually nuts which you know i have a lot mm -hmm. And then if you have people in the background who you love saying the same, that's even harder, right? And I know, you know, no, and you don't need to share, but I know that your wife, when you started this, came on one of your initial property trainings and was like, yep, I get it, but it's not for me. And you were like, yep, it is for me. And you started and you went for it and you accelerated and she wasn't on board. Like, that is a battle, I believe, that is actually way harder to manage than an internal battle that you have with that critical voice that says, what if like you can't find a tenant or what if right. the tenant doesn't pay their rent, right? Mm -hmm. How did you cope with the added challenge of having someone that you love in your life not like back what you're doing or like get on board with that? What what was that like? Well it's not easy, put it this way. Uh, and then we know that no nothing is easy. Uh, you just have to go um, deeper inside yourself and, and think what exactly is that you want. Of course, when you first started with a, a relationship with somebody, yes, like uh, you build a family, of course, like everything should be like transparent. And however, sometimes like relationship between two people uh, could have differences could have uh, uh, values that are not aligned and that's that and that's exactly what happened to me when I first started uh, investing in properties <clears throat> my ex-wife back then like uh, she was not supportive at all like not at all she she worked for the government she has a traditional employee mindset and thinking that investing is risky yeah. Now, at that time, when because I was a, a small business owner already, so I, I took certain risk, calculated risk. And when I saw that 
building a portfolio, a property portfolio was definitely a, a something that I want to do because I believe this is how to get to where I want financially. So uh, yes, we had challenges, we had arguments, and then I still uh, want to pursue. And I now that I, I look back, <clears throat> I think there's one thing is very important. It's uh, it, like we have to have a lot of courageous courage, yeah, just to like yeah uh, to to do uh, what you want in life, and you need to overcome a lot of challenges. Investing in properties, we have a lot of challenges, and okay. so that, that's something that that we we go through every day, like dealing with tenants, dealing with uh, letting agents, dealing with um, uh, all those like builders. So, and of course, those challenges could be resolved and fixed, and and. And we get knowledge from Caroline like you because you're an experienced uh, investor. However, like, like on the personal level, when you're dealing with your uh, family, of course, that's a different type of challenge. And when, yeah. when I basically present every investment deals to my ex-wife at that time, pretty much every time it's a no, no, a hot no, like, no, this is risky. Um, so, and then of course, like, uh, I still do it because I believe this yeah. is this will get to where I want, and uh, and I don't want to give myself excuse. So that's why I still decide to take action to stay on course. And now that I look back, I I think I make the right decision. Fortunately, like uh, she's she's not my my wife anymore. I moved on, but I feel that I am in a in a better situation. Uh, personal side, like uh, in terms of my um, mind, uh, in terms of my freedom, in terms of my finance, uh, in terms of my of my happiness, happy, happiness, everything. I'm in a in a better place right now. I mean, it's a very emotional <clears throat> topic, right? And I can I can see and feel and hear the emotion that's coming through, and I get choked up because actually, we having done so many events together trying to teach people how to do this we, we it's never ever about investing in property it's always no. about your true core values in life and how they align with your belief system and right. if you are with someone whose belief system isn't in line that is so challenging and you know what Stephen? so many people would not have taken the path that you took because it would have been easier to keep happy wife, happy life, yes. and just do what, get a proper job in inverted commas and carry on doing what they're doing. But, you know, when you read books like the top five regrets of the dying, one of them is having the courage to live your life that's true mm -hmm. to yourself. And you've done that. And I, I fully respect and like, I'm in awe of you doing that because I've never experienced that type of adversity from someone that I loved. And that is incredible that you just carried on and did it anyway. And it led to a different path and a different outcome. Right. Yes. Positive. I, I'm very happy that, that yes, as you said, like true to yourself. And I, I can honestly say that I can be myself right now. Yeah. And, and I'm very blessed and lucky that uh, my girlfriend with me right now, she's very supportive. Uh, although she, she's not in the investing uh, industry, she gives me 100% support on what I do. So I'm very, very happy. That's cool. I mean, listen, we don't expect the people that we're with 
to get us entirely and get on board and get involved maybe but just like respect knowledge and just support is, is enough right so I, I hats off to you and we, I've seen such a journey that you've been on personally and as an investor which has been like a privilege to be part of and I've, I've loved every part of it so uh, hats off to you for that so Thank talk you. me through the trading <laughs> element is so cool and I, I've, I you sent me a link to what you're doing and I'm totally going to watch it well I say that I'm going to delegate that and have Nick watch it but because <laughs> that's his thing right you know that my brain isn't like technical like yours but you mentioned to me earlier on about something that you were doing that was another multiple stream of income which mm. is where our brains are at and I just want you to tell our listeners about it because it's pretty bonkers and I love it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> as I said, I love multiple stream of uh, income and passive income. Passive. And, uh, and uh, throughout, of course, throughout COVID, of course, like uh, I've been looking into different type of businesses, uh, new type of business that is coming out because of COVID. And uh, well, of course, like now we see all those like food delivery service that, mm it wasn't there uh, yep. before right now we have all those like uh, food delivery apps and all that and then there was another new thing that uh came to came uh came to me and i saw it it's like huh interesting it's something called turo t-u-r-o turo and basically it's like airbnb for your cars so you literally rent out your own cars to some strangers <laughs> and uh and I looked at it. This is interesting. And uh, and I when I travel, I started to to try this as, as as well as a customer to to rent cars on Turo uh, as opposed to traditional car rental companies. Yeah. And because I find that it's actually a lot more affordable for one thing compared to the traditional car rental company. The other thing is the car selection, the car type, um, because traditional car rental company will probably give you several different brands and models and that's it and it's usually boring with Toro because uh, like those individual are renting out their own cars I could now pick I could pick Mercedes I could pick BMW or Tesla whatever car type that I like yep and and it's, it's available so so that's why huh I could try out different cars because I I like I like driving so that's how it got me started and then I'm like ah oh, that's an interesting business model what if I rent out my cars? Now, I, th I think for most people, they rent out their cars because maybe they have a car at home and then they don't use it very often. So might yeah. as well just put it on there and see if anyone is renting it. Okay, that's help. It's, it's helping their, uh, their income. Yeah. But now I treat it as more like a business because what I would do is I will finance, like uh, literally buy a minivan like let's say a Honda Odyssey and I finance it. So I don't need to come up with any money. So zero down and then I pay a monthly payment. Yep. Then I list this minivan on Turo for people to rent. Yep. And especially right now in Vancouver, it's summertime. Pretty much it gets rented out every single day. I don't even see the car itself. <laughs> in my garage so so basically i got the car back and next thing i i have to quickly wash it and then 
the next customer is here to to wait for it. And through the app, will manage everything. They they even like a uh, uh, pay for the insurance part, so I don't have to pay for the extra insurance. So Turo will cover that during the rental period. And there's literally almost nothing for me to do except for take, taking the car back to for a wash, and then that's it. So wow. I'm looking at okay, yes, when we invest in properties. Even though like a property costs, like, let's say, 200,000 pounds, yep. you still have to come up with a deposit, a down payment of 25% yeah. to get certain um, cash flow, rental income. Yeah. But with Truro right now, I literally finance a car with zero down. I didn't have to bring in any money. Yes, I have a monthly payment to pay. Let's say in Canada here, the, the minivan that I got, let's say $1,200 Canadian dollars. Yep. Right? How much am I renting it out right now? $200 a month, a day. $200 a day. Wow. So you do the math, 30 days, 6000 Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. it's not like 100% like, you know, rented out all the time. Even yeah, if you yeah. cut it in, like, you know, cut 70% rented out I mean, you could, uh, the listeners can do the math themselves. And it's, it's definitely enough to pay the pay for the my finance charge every single month with the extra cash flow. So I consider that's an extra passive income for me because literally there's nothing for, for me to do. As, as a matter of fact, I already have an assistant to help me to manage the car. So so I'm like really running the business. So, so I, I'm just... Buying the car, okay, like uh, my assistant will rent it out. Like put it on Turo, take pictures and write description and like uh, message back and forth with the, the people who are renting the car, car and arrange. And do we give the key, like see the customer to give the key to them? No, we even have like uh, buy those like lockbox and hang it on the, the window, the car window. So the, <laughs> the customers could go to the car and unlock the and get the key themselves. We don't even see the customers. I love this. This is like systemized cars. I mean, yeah, this is brilliant. So uh, obviously we all checked that Turo was here in the UK, yes, which you yes. did. And you're like, yes, hey, yes. it is available in, in the UK. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, the difference is, I guess, getting your head around the fact that we buy properties because it's like appreciating mm. and a property is depreciating but if you hire purchase that or lease it and then rent it out like what the hell that's right so so like let's say i do a a four-year financing yeah now uh there's a difference between leasing a car and finance uh financing a car i don't know about uk but in canada same 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 concept right lease a car is like you lease it for three years and then you can buy it out yeah however with leasing uh the catch is usually they have a mileage limitation Correct. Now, because these cars are rented out all the time, so you don't want to have a mileage limitation. So yep. that's why I choose financing. So financing is like, okay, I finance it for four years. And basically at the end of the four-year term, uh, I own the car. It's already paid out. So I own the car. Well, guess what? After four years, chances are that car is pretty run that's down. It. Like, you know, I don't even want to keep it anymore. So yeah. I'm just going to sell it out as a, on a you know, second, second, uh, um, second hand market. Yep. And cars nowadays, they have a very high, uh, high value. And, yeah. um, 
And I guess if I bought a car at $60,000 Canadian, four years later, it's probably still worth about $30,000. Yeah. But if I sell it, that $30,000 is pure equity. It's like it's equity on the house, right? So it's a pure money that I make, I put into my pocket. I mean, Stephen, if I'd said to you when we first met, we're going to make money from a depreciating liability. <laughs> we would have gone, what are you talking about? You've had too much sake. But actually, <laughs> here you are. And, you know, the world has completely changed where we're actually making money on cars now. This The, mm-hmm. the car market, because of, I don't know, production or whatever yeah. it is, you know, we, we, Nick and I have just put down two orders on cars, one that I'm going to get immediately and one that's going to take 18 months. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same time of frame that my other lease is going to expire. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to make money on cars. You're like, what's happened here? And right. then you make passive income yes. from that. That's right. In the meantime. Well, as, 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 a, as a trained investor, a professional investor, uh, we have to keep our mind open all the time right? we, because the world is changing. Uh, this is a dy- dynamic world and invest- investment world is so dynamic that we have to constantly look for new opportunities. Yeah. And of course, Turo didn't exist, exist like, you know, uh, five years ago. Maybe they did. I, I don't know. I didn't check the, the history, but it is, it's getting more popular uh, after, especially after COVID. Now that the people are, uh, back uh, traveling and then all of a sudden those like a car rental company they charge so high in terms of the the, the car rental now these people are leveraging Turo to, to rent out their cars to make a little bit more money right so that's why Turo is it's uh thriving I love it I think it's brilliant and and then these innovative ideas like what else do people use all the time when they travel that you could potentially buy and then lease out is is incredible so look you are definitely an entrepreneur for sure and I look I think when you actually are an investor within property it naturally leads to other avenue streams and the fact that you've gone down the stock market mm-hmm. and Turo or whatever it is and you you're massively still into your tech like if I need a selfie stick you're the man I come to, to find- <laughs> The best selfie stick on the market. I mean, Hong Kong, right? Yes, You're of course. You're in a sweet shop with the tech there. And, you know, you just have different eyes. And I love the fact that your journey has led you from always trying to be a little bit different from following the traditional uh, paths that you were taught in. And it's led to a really, really positive place for you. So thank you so much for sharing a experience with us um if people want to reach out to you find more about your like your story or like know about you and your trading or anything else um the best place to do that is your is it your email address stephen with a ph at trust your your talent yeah trustyourtalent.ca so i'm one of the the trainers and coaches for uh, a property investing academy here in canada so mm-hmm. I train and teach people how to invest in properties in Canada. So if any of your listeners are interested in maybe expanding the territory and start investing in Canada, of course, we welcome that and take some training from us. Uh, the company is called Trust Your Talent. So trustyourtalent.ca. So my email address is Stephen with a PH at trustyourtalent.ca. 
And of course, if they want to hear about your trading or Turo or anything else, reach out to me. Yes. Yes. They can reach out to you as well. Of course, they don't need to want to purely just invest in Canada, but I'm sure there's lots of people who love their skiing trips and will say, Hey, can I buy a property in Whistler? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about cash flow, the Whistlers, like, uh, you know, it's, it's a tourist area. It's, You know, it's it's still very expensive, and they operate like most majority of the time is is, is winter. Some of there are still visitors. Uh, of course, like for us, we once again we look at the the return on investment, whether there's cash flow or not, right? So so absolutely, like, reach out to me, and uh, I love to to talk and chat and talk about different investment strategies here in Canada available. Brilliant. I've loved catching up with Stephen. It's been fantastic. Um, a late night chat for me and, a, and an early afternoon chat for you. But yes. I, I know our listeners will, will really benefit from that. So thanks very much. Thank um, you, See you soon. Okay. Bye. I love catching up with people I've not seen for ages and particularly when they're overseas. But I'm sure you guys have got a lot of content and golden nuggets from just even renting out a car, for goodness sake, and making cash flow from that. And just the lessons that Stephen has shared with you at this episode. I tried to keep my episodes really short, but I just was loving talking to him so much that I know I went over on the content. But you know what? Going from investing in you know, properties, to the stock market, to cars, to whatever else it is that you want to do. There are opportunities everywhere. And no matter where you are on the planet, what currency you're trading in, there are opportunities and who you connect with and who you learn from. There are so many avenues you can go down. So I hope that you have enjoyed this one this week. Uh, this week. So look, you can connect with Stephen on uh, Stephen with a PH at trustyourtalent.ca. And of course, you can learn anything about what Property Wealth System teaches you on our websites, propertywealthsystem.co.uk. And I look forward to bringing you fantastic content again next week. See you then. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.